episode of That's So Fetch, where we talk about dating, Torah, and everything in between. I'm very excited about this episode. I just feel like we've, I got some good topics out, and like it just feels like a very classic, like, you know, That's So Fetch episode, where I get to sit here and yammer on about the things I've been thinking about, and if being delusional in dating circumstances is something that resonates with you, then come sit down, gather around, let's have some group therapy, be my guest, because you are definitely not alone. And I am here to do some like deep analysis of this idea and why I've found dating to be so confusing throughout the year. So I think it's important to mention that the pandemic has a humongous influence on dating. And I just wanted to start off with an intro about my personal dating experiences throughout this year and I feel like there's this feeling in December of like you know this closing off this reflection and the finality and that's kind of like how that's the frame of which I am reflecting on this idea so I think you know in the beginning in March and April I had done some zoom dating and I found that it's it's kind of harder to tell like if you like someone over zoom although like if you don't like someone over zoom it can usually like if you really don't i think it can be really apparent but like i think that in general zoom dating really like slows things down in the process um but i think one thing that's an upside is like throughout the year you know i'm such an extrovert and i really miss hanging out with people and i think like dating offered sort of like a solution for that and a way for me to be able to see people and I think you know because I didn't have all those outlets I was more willing to give people a chance and like um, just like have a greater appreciation for connecting with other people at a time when like that's so rare and even though like I have my friends and I'm grateful it's like there's still that like hole in your life that like isn't being filled and like somehow I feel like through dating that was definitely filled but the disillusionment comes in because I feel like, you know, dating is something that honestly I think like isn't really so fun for the most part, but like, you know, we try to make it fun, we try to make it romantic, we do all these different things, but like it's stressful. It's like confusing and stressful and like not fun and all that good stuff. So I feel like this year dating was actually like more nice in a way and like the disillusionment comes from that feeling of like oh like I don't know how much I like this person but like it's so nice to go out it's so nice to get together it's so nice to do something fun it's so nice to get to know someone it like adds an adventure in your life and I feel like my mantra has been to just like adventure in new ways and like this is the new way but you know it's to a fault because like sometimes you might not necessarily be compatible with the person but because it's like so fun to hang out you're like and also another thing that i've thought about is like this year i think i've started to take dating just a lot more seriously and i think without all of the distractions of 
parties and meals and things like that, it was like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously in that I must like analyze every single thing. But I think that's also like to a fault because it's good to have distractions. It's good to have different things in your life so that you're not like constantly thinking about this one thing. Um, Dating was almost something that like I knew I had to do, but like, you know, I wasn't always so intense about it because I was like, okay, like I can meet people organically. Like it doesn't have to be like this really methodical thing, but like through COVID, like dating had to become very, very methodical. And I don't know how it's going to turn out after the fact. Um, And also I just wanted to share kind of like a shade of gray through this discussion because I think that like disillusionment in dating, being delusional in dating might be something that you don't necessarily resonate with. And that's fine. Like for me, clarity and balance are generally things that I struggle with in like other avenues of my life. So I get confused in dating. Um, And if it's something that you don't identify with, then like, you know, you don't have to listen to this episode. But if it's something you do identify with, then you might be here for like my next hypotheses. Anyways, moving swiftly along. So the theories I've come up with are quite detailed and I hope you're here for it. So basically, I think that there are two lenses that I go through when I date that like if you're going dating from a Jewish perspective might be present. If you happen to be a hopeless romantic also might be present. So first one is the rose colored lens and then the other one is the Jewish lens. So the rose colored lens is like oh, like it's optimistic, like there's the possibility of love in this occasion. And then the Jewish lens is like, um, describes my strong commitment to certain Jewish values. So like the lens of yourself, that's like, okay, like looking through like, oh, is this person like kind of fits me through a religious level? Um, And so basically you have these like two pairs of glasses on if you may, and right off the bat, things aren't clear. Let's press on. So you have person A and person B. They go out together and they have a good time. They maybe grab a drink. They go to a bar, whatever they do. Maybe they go downtown. I don't know. These days, it's so much harder to plan. Anyways, both person A and person B come back from the date and they're not really sure, you know? Like, they're like, okay, so that was a good date, but like, I'm left feeling a little confused. And so the role of the lenses is, you know, if you're looking and reflecting back on the date through the rose colored lens, you're like, okay, like the rose colored lens says, like, I want it to work out. You know, we hear about all these stories about how things work out for different people and how a love story can be spun in a million different ways. And that's kind of like the feeling of trying to find the chemistry. And and then there's the Jewish lens, which is more of a focus on whether you can make like a Jewish home with this person or if you like have similar Jewish values. And I feel like with that lens, you kind of focus less on like actually connecting with the person and sort of like thinking about where they fit in line Jewishly and don't really kind of look into the whole person as an account and so on. So I think both lenses are important distractions in figuring it out, but It still doesn't make it any easier and I think the two things that sort of like also come into play in this discussion are your checklist like your personal checklist for like what you want in a person and then also like whether or not there's chemistry in the relationship and I really go back and forth on both of these because sometimes I think 
that checklists are bad because if you're trying to be an open-minded person, like you don't need a checklist and like, you know, you should open your eyes to see that a person is more than their boxes and I'm like very anti-labels and everything like that. But I'd say recently I've become like a little bit more pro the checklist because I think that it's important to like make some standards of what you're looking for and sort of like understand what you need so that you can better refine your search, if that makes sense. Um, but it's hard because like trying to find that balance is really difficult. And then for chemistry, I think I go back and forth on like whether it can grow or if it must already be there. And I honestly don't fully have the answer. But one thing that I can say before, you know, getting back to my waxing poetic is that I really do think that if it's so confusing, then that person is probably not the one for you because in my experiences, all the past people that I did end up like dating or anything, it really wasn't so confusing, especially at the beginning. I was just like, had a good time, excited to see them again, like, and that was it, you know? But I think it's especially important this year to factor in the pandemic and how that impacts people and how it just takes on a new shape and so I feel like it's important to give people more of a chance and things like that and my ultimate rant I have written down here ultimate rant um, is that with the rose-colored lens this is like where I take issue basically there's two people here trying to create something beautiful together and it works sometimes and other times it doesn't but this will this like rose-colored lens will is a shared will that exists on every single date and it's very powerful like basically what I'm saying is two people go on a date they both really want things to work out so like that sort of drives the date so even if it's not working out there's this like intense need to to make it work and I think sometimes it makes us stay in something that doesn't really work or you know for me it can make me even question my sanity um, but really like person A and person B bring both of their attributes and you hope it works, but many times it doesn't and the rose colored lens doesn't make it any easier. Either way, I have to pause because I've just been thinking about, you know, like after a year of podcasting about dating and talking to people about dating, like I often come back and have to reevaluate like, why are we here? Like, what is the point of this discussion? And why is it not cliche to have a dating podcast, even though there are millions of them out there? And I think the reason is, first of all, I think that an analyzing all of this makes it a lot more fun and a lot more meaningful. Um, and also, like, this is a dating podcast, like, it's meant to be therapeutic. So surface level conversation about dating is definitely fun, but I think that it's the deeper parts that really make you learn and grow. And I think I've learned a lot and keep learning all the time. And like, I'm just a sucker for learning. So even if I'm judged for sharing all of these ideas, it's just me being like my most human self and just getting out there, doing my best, you know, like hanging in there. Um, and I know like, I don't need to make this disclaimer. I can talk about this stuff and not have to be like oh why am I talking about it it's so cliche it's so stupid but I think as a person who shares like conceptual and personal art on all my platforms and my writing and you know on my Instagram with everything that I do like 
the concept really drives what I do. So I'm always kind of reevaluating my goals. And everything I create generally has a mission. And if, you know, creating is fun in itself, but it's really the mission that I think gives this life. And the mission of this conversation is to bring people together and to make my life more enjoyable and also to just bring more understanding to the world around us. So anyways, back to the lenses. Um, There's one more lens that I sort of came up with while I was thinking about this and it I feel very much relates to me and I'm curious if it relates to you but basically it's this like anthropological interest in people and I think that also is a lens that I will sometimes look through when I'm going on dates with people like wow like this is a whole new person with new interests and you know they can teach me all these different things about new music and new knowledge and it's just like a whole new person to understand like it's so exciting but I think that you know again with the danger of these ways of seeing things that when things aren't feeling a hundred percent the I can lean into like the fact that it's exciting to be talking to a new person and understanding them and then I kind of like takes away and it's like a distraction from actually seeing like whether or not I'm actually enjoying things so I think that the mantra ongoing is to try to see a person without distractions, as hard as it may be. Um, I feel like I just made it so much more complicated with this conversation. Um, And try not to see it as like a quest, a challenge, or a rom-com. You know, this isn't a rom-com. You're just going on a freaking date. And just try to let go of any of these lenses and, you know, make it fun, but also be aware that like, it's just a date. You're just a blip in the universe. Many people go on dates all the time to try to figure it out. And like the world doesn't stop and you're just a person. So I know that sounds kind of a little sad, but it's just like a way to like get your mind away from like the intensity of these things. And also I just wanted to bring up one more note, re-chemistry and the romantic lens in that like chemistry is super great and if you know you feel that like banter with the person and there's also that like element of lust like that can really carry a relationship Um, and that's also something to be cognizant of because sometimes you might match up in that way but not in another way and therein lies the confusion you know hello this is rebecca editing the episode i just wanted to pop on here and say that if i haven't driven this point home enough The confusion is there because it's also inherent in wanting to create the relationship to work. So it's like, oh, like, don't be so confused. Like, just end it. It's clearly not going well. But like that hope for something more really just like, you know, that's really underlying this whole thing. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way, like, how could we romanticize the confusion? But to be honest, like, it's just it's not cute. It's not like a good look for anyone, you know, but it it doesn't it's part of reality right so anyways that's gonna be our segue to the torah portion of this episode i know we haven't had torah in a while and i'm sad about it but really i just have you know been really busy with the books that i'm illustrating and also just keeping up with my new job and 
I really want to excel, you know? So I'm like really working hard. And one thing that I do at my job is edit the daily Dafyomi newsletter and kind of look through it, put it into the website and, you know, prepare it for the next day. Cause every morning my Jewish learning sends out a summary of the daily Daf that's written by um, a rotation of rabbis that signed up on the spreadsheet and everything. So yeah, I think, I guess this one, I'm like always confused on the days, but I'll be talking about Psachim 31. And it's really cool. What like really fascinates me about the Dafyomi is like, you kind of get to learn the source of a lot of the mitzvot that we do day to day. And also just like, I find it like humorous how in detail it can be sometimes. And, you know, no stone is truly left uncovered when it comes to the Dafyomi. So on Psachim 31, we meet a conversation about inaccessible chametz. What do you do in a situation where you're supposed to destroy some chametz before Passover, but it is deemed inaccessible? And so there's this phrase in the Mishnah that goes, leavened bread upon which a rock slide has fallen is considered as though it has been eliminated. And Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel says that any leavened bread that a dog cannot search after it. So basically, if you have a stock of bread that you know you must destroy Passover before Passover, but a landslide renders it completely inaccessible and you don't have time to dig it out and it's just like totally like covered up by this thing, then it's okay. You can leave it there. And so the Mishnah makes this differentiation that if a dog is not able to dig it up, then it is considered to be lost for good. Like that's kind of the barometer of how deeply in the ground this rock slide must be for this Hametz to be considered invaluable. So now the Gemara weighs in and this dude named Rav Hizda says that one is required to nullify the leavened bread in his heart. And so this is about the idea that we learn that, you know, everyone like sells their Hametz to other people, to non-Jews and things like that. And this is, I think, basically where the idea comes from. So Rav Hizda holds that even if you cannot dig out your leaven, you cannot consider it properly eliminated without first nullifying it in your heart. And so basically this means that you have to declare the chametz to no longer be chametz. And this idea of nullification shifts our view. And instead of seeing chametz as food, we see it as something that has completely zero value. And this is a topic that's brought up on Psalm 6b, where Rava offers the reason. Rava's a different dude. There's a lot of different dudes here. Rava offers this reason for like, why are we nullifying um, the Hametz? And he says like that this is a thing that, you know, you should do each era of Passover so that also if you are searching for Hametz and you don't find it, that when you do find it on, on Passover, that it's like not considered Hametz because you like nullified it. And that's also why, you know, brings me back to when my dad would hide chametz in the house and we would look for it and he would always hide 10, but like we would literally never find them all. And sometimes we'd find them on Pesach, but we knew it was okay. And that's because of this idea of nullifying the chametz. And you say like those words, like I am nullifying this chametz. And so if there's any that I see, it is not considered mine, not considered valuable. Um, and then there's this idea that comes out of this, and I love the daily daf summaries because they're they're very insightful and they're written by 
really awesome people in the Jewish world. This one's written by Kobe Geller. Excuse me, Rabbi Kobe Geller. Um, who has like smicha from YCT. I love a good YCT smicha. Um, and so the clincher is about a larger idea about chametz and how it's seen as a metaphor for anything in our life that's holding us back. It could be wrongdoing, arrogance, or other negative attributes. And it's even been compared to idolatry. And this is a conversation that continues to be revisited throughout Pesachim about the spiritual role of chametz and what that means. And, you know, there's like so many different angles because it's very thorough. And the discussion on Pesachim 31 is truly a helpful reminder that when we try to remove these attributes from our lives, we cannot just bury them deep within ourselves. We actually have to remove these attributes from our hearts and we have to nullify them. And only then will we be able to break free. And I really love this idea of nullification and freedom because I find even like discussing it to be kind of freeing. And also in the case of our dating discussion, to tie it back, but I'm sh- We all have these ideas and algorithms and things. And like, you know, I just went down this rabbit hole of things that really confuse me in dating. These are all things that like bring us more clarity. But I think every once in a while, it's good to just like let go of the checklists in our minds and let go of whether or not this person and I have chemistry and just start over fresh and just truly allow yourself to not think about those things for a second and just like the beauty of a clear mind is intoxicating right so that's really the sentiment that i have taken out of this stuff and i hope to get more sentiments out of the next stuff even though they're all so like they're just lots of minutia happening in Sachim. that much i will say and then Basically, that concludes our conversation about the lenses, but I wanted to devote a portion of this episode to talk about Asara Betevet, which by a crazy stroke of luck happens to fall out on Christmas Day, which is an exciting day for Jews to take off, but also for people who fast now a fast day, which is like such a downer moment. And honestly, I'm personally still coming to terms with it and in the process of deciding whether or not I will or won't fast but just fasting on a Friday is like really rare so I'm kind of shook about it and in the lieu of this whole idea and conversation I wanted to at least think about Asara Bateve and the significance of the day I feel like every day every time that fast days come around I'm like oh like this is so irrelevant it's so antiquated like why are we still doing this it's so like behind with the times, but how do we fight that? By learning about it. So basically, Asara Betevet is the fast day that falls in the month of Tevet, 10th of Tevet, and it commemorates the first of a series of events which led to the destruction of the first temple. It specifically commemorates the beginning of the siege of the Babylonians on Jerusalem. And the quote from Malachim that where we learn the origin of the fast is, goes like this. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon and in the ninth year of his reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, that's tenth of Tevet, Nebuchadnezzar moved against Jerusalem with his whole army. He besieged it and they built towers against it all around. The city continued in a state of siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And basically just to like 
frame ourselves a little bit. When there's a siege, it's like really hard to get food. Like the country's at war, like the borders are protected and it's really scary, honestly. And I think it's something we can't really like think about because it's not part of our day-to-day lives. So yeah. And then basically this prophet Yehezkel was instructed by God to turn this day into a day of memory. So that's like the first thing. But then as time has passed, you know, there were more commemorations that were added to this day. So for others, in fact. So one of them is that this day commemorates the completion of the translation of the Torah into Greek on the 8th of Tevet, which was seen to be like a really sad thing um, by the 70 scholars in the day of Ptolemy. And then two, it was also to commemorate the death of Ezra, the prophet, on the 9th of Tevet. And then just to zoom out a little bit from the historical aspect of it, Maimonides has an interesting tidbit that I wanted to share about how the fast is something that we can relate to today. And so basically Maimonides draws a link between the deeds of our fathers and our own deeds in our generation, as well as between our troubles and their misfortunes, thus making the memory of the temple's destruction an actual one. From this starting point, he reaches the conclusion to be made from our misconduct. Remembering our misguided ways provides the path to self-improvement. And I think this is like a really interesting point and also a good way to bring the fast to contemporary times. So, you know, if we make comparisons to this idea of the siege, to where we are today in a pandemic, there are many, many reasons for us to mourn. And I kind of feel like we can see fast as like a mini Yom Kippur. Like every Yom Kippur comes around, we don't question like the antiquitedness of that because mourning for our sins is something that can be relevant every year for anyone in a way. I mean, depending on the language that, you know, relates to you, but a day of introspection and checking in is something that is timeless. And I think that if we can look back, look at fasts and see them as sort of like mini Yom Kippers and perhaps a day for an emotional and spiritual check-in, then they will become more meaningful. And also one last thing I found interesting is, you know, there's always the origin, but over time, through history, these days take on different meanings. And there's an interesting bit that I learned about how Aseret Batevet had changed its tone after Yom HaShoah. And basically, it was decided that in 1949 that the 10th of Tevet would become a religious memorial day for the Holocaust. And that basically the Israeli chief, Rabbi Unterman, declared that this is the day on which the first Korban destruction commenced and it should become also a day for the last Korban, which was the Shoah. And two years later, the rabbinate decided officially to turn this day into a memorial day for Shoah victims whose date of death is unknown, which I think is very interesting how you can like, okay, there's a fast day, like we're going to make it also a morning for something else. And I think I remember vaguely learning this last year, but I'm learning it again and I'm it's like, whoa, like this is actually really relevant. I think the Holocaust is something that we can really empathize with, especially as, you know, the the rise of anti-Semitism and like recognizing that like some of that trauma from our past is sort of being forgotten and then reframed in a new way and, you know, tons of scary stuff. But I just, you know, 
think that this is an, a good opportunity to use this day to commemorate contemporary mourning in your life. So whatever feels relevant to you, um, whether it's a personal mourning or mourning over society's issues, misogyny, politics, issues in American Jewry, there's, you know, there's all sorts of things to mourn about and not to mention the pandemic. But I think that I hope that this will be a day to check in on these feelings and make it more relatable in that way at the very least. And that's really my wish for that. And also in terms of Christmas, I learned a little bit about why Jews eat Chinese food on Christmas. And actually it's because historically the two groups of immigrants that were living near each other in New York City, Lower East Side were Chinese immigrants and Jewish immigrants. And basically on the day of Christmas, when everyone else was gathering with their families, Jews kind of had nowhere to go. And that was true for Chinese people too. So it was like, all right, we'll just go to a Chinese restaurant and so on. And so like, this is a cultural tradition that actually stemmed back from like all the way, you know, the 1920s. But I just think it's cool how like cultural norms become real things. And I hope that Friday is a day where you are able to do anything that you feel is like fun to be Jewish on Christmas, um, whether it's a hike, taking advantage of online sales, watching movies, if you're fasting, nothing food related until Shabbat starts. And just a day off from everything is really welcome in this time. So I hope that you all enjoyed this episode and I hope that you have a great weekend and enjoy everything that there is to life and thank you so much for listening. Tonight, so-